Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Internet's favorite show about plastic surgery, health, and beauty. This is Nip Talk. We got a very informative episode today. First off, we're going to be talking about breast lifts, everything that you need to know. Then, tummy tuck complications. A new study talks about what they are and how they've changed over the past 10 to 15 years. And finally, can eating almonds get rid of facial wrinkles? A new research paper says it might. We're going to talk about it, and that's all coming up right now. Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk, an honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle with your host, plastic surgeon Dr. Bruce Herman, and your co-host, entrepreneur and social media influencer Sarah Bennett. Now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Please hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us so much. I'm your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman. And with me after her week off from being sick is the lovely Sarah. You look great after <laughs> having a terrible Sorry illness. Sorry if I cough a little bit. <laughs> are are you still infectious? No. No. You, you, you sound good. I'm sorry you were sick. I'm totally bummed. Yeah. It was hurtful. Travis, in the box. You there, buddy? Hey, I am. What's going on, man? You have a good week? I did. I had a really good yeah. week. How about y'all? It was yeah. good. It's busy. I, busy New Year is crazy for me, so I'm like bouncing around. I feel like busy. I'm part of the the world that is going through like the the couple of days after Christmas and then the New Year starting. Uh huh. I feel like it's I like, like the doldrums or something. Yeah, like I'm like, am I? I was taking a shower this morning and I was like, what am I doing? Like I was just like, I are was, you off work right now? Yeah, oh, okay. I was just like, I just, yeah. I was like, I don't. I'm like, yeah. when's the last time I took a shower? Yeah. Like, I'm totally jealous. Like, <laughs> when was the last I like, I didn't. Even, yeah, like I haven't been wearing makeup. I've just been like sitting on my couch doing sick, nothing. Like, or is this just like your normal like uh, holiday? No, routine? I'm a super big couch potato, uh, but. Since you I was the person sick, who does CrossFit like 24/7. Everything balanced, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I was sick, and then after, and then after Christmas, you know. Yeah, you I know, get you it. Still kind of chill, veg out. My wife's been off for a week. I think she was off part of the week last week. She's off this whole week. I'm like so jealous because I, I took off Christmas and then I took off the day after. But outside of that, I've been working. Uh, so yeah. I kind of worked. I did the wine tour for the for oh, Denton that, that like we hard do. Work. Yeah. Drinking wine. I wish that was working. Oh, wait, so New Year's Eve coming up. Anyone have big plans? I don't have Sarah? anything going on. I'm surprised no. you're not having a party at your house. We're going to a party. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a really, really great New Year's Eve party at, at Monarch here in Dallas. Oh, that's that cool. We've actually been the last couple of years because it's like so good that we just don't know if we can find something better. It is a lot of fun. In that's fact, nice Jeff, uh, Jeff and his wife are going with us. That's fun. Yeah, this will be fun. Really cool. Yeah, I, I, I keep hearing about like, um, Tower Club New Year's Eve celebrations like Tower Club. So I think like the Reunion Tower. Okay. They have one. And yes. Then, um, I don't think it's the bank. Which we've been there. we've been to that one at Reunion been? Tower before. Yeah, it's years ago. But. Okay. 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 I, I keep hearing about that one, and I think it's another like high rise building down there. Like maybe. Well, that's the. The, the Monarch one is like on the 50th floor, okay, which is super be cool one. because the fireworks they shoot off over Dallas are like kind of right out the window. Yeah. That's pretty dope. Plus that's the really food cool. is like really really good so. i keep hearing about those but no i'm just going to a house party just a regular that's fun though house party. hey man that's good times Absolutely. good times yeah Absolutely. right on well I, we got to get reports except for sarah it'd be i don't know what i'm doing you gotta do something i'm sure i'll do something yeah, you gotta do something. probably pop up last minute yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
I'm sure you can find some. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into some segments today. We got some informative entertainment going on today. Um, and uh, the first thing I was going to talk about is the breast lift because I had a couple patients recently that came in and, and just with talking with patients, sometimes it gives me ideas for segments because they were kind of really confused about what a breast lift actually is. Mm -hmm. And it is confusing because there's a lot of different types and different levels of uh, complexity that are involved with it. And so uh, I, I wanted to just kind of clear the air as far as what all this means. And I actually brought some pictures. I, I try not to bring pictures of like cosmetic stuff because I don't want this like be an ad for my practice, but it is a good representation of like what these can do. So we're gonna kind of show those at the end. So, um, so yeah, the reasons that breasts can sag. Mm -hmm. um, genetics obviously is a big one. You know, if, if your mom, your grandmother, aunts, you know, have uh, sagging in the breast, you're more prone to have it. it. Has to do with structural component of the breast, size of the breast is another thing. Also, the, the big one that gets most, most everybody is kids. Mm -hmm. You know, pregnancy, as you know, breasts get larger, then they shrink back down, and, and what happens is your skin gets stretched out. Not only that, the actual structural components, uh, the fibrous part, the Cooper's ligaments in the breast get stretched out, and then everything starts to head south. Uh, also, weight gain, weight loss, even yeah. if you haven't had kids, like if you, you know, gain 50 pounds and you lose it, that's obviously bad for your skin and, and yeah. your breasts as well. And so another question I always get is, can you fix breast sagging on your own? What do you think? I don't know. I guess if you did a lot of chest exercises, but... You hear that. People, some, that's the common one people ask me is, if I do a bunch of chest exercises, will that, will that help my breast? And, and actually the answer is no, because yes, you can build up your chest muscle, right? But the breast sits on top of that and the breast is going to do what it's going to do. Yeah. And you, you can't realistically make your chest so big to fill up the kind of vacuum of, of volume that happens yeah. when, when pregnancy occurs. And so unfortunately, uh, once the breasts start sagging, there's really not a lot you can do on your own. You know, unlike if you gain a little bit of weight, you can diet, you can exercise, mm -hmm. you can get rid of that. But with breast sagging, that's, that's not possible. And so kind of one of the first things that people need to decide if they're thinking about having a breast lift um, to figure out exactly what's the right direction that they need to go from a surgical standpoint is, do you want your breast to be bigger or do you not? Mm -hmm. um, because that's the kind of first big junction in the thought process of what does this patient need is, are we going to use a breast implant or are we not? Mm -hmm. Because the surgeries for those are different. And that's where like a lot of the confusion comes in. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. What's that? That's what I was about to ask because some, some of the girls that I know, since they know that I'm on this, this show, huh. they've always asked me like about stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like, definitely. You're like, I'm ah, not sure, right? <laughs> and, and unfortunately, I see this happen all the time where a patient may not necessarily want to have a larger breast, but they want it to be fuller up top. And they'll go to a surgeon who puts in an implant, which is not always the right answer and oftentimes the wrong answer because it makes them bigger, which they don't really want to be. It does accomplish the goal of you know, filling up the top part of the breast. But then a lot of times those patients who never wanted an implant originally five years down the road, want their implants out. Mm -hmm. And Is so- Is there like a way you can do like, kind of like me and halfway? Yeah, I mean, there are there are, there are alternatives to, to using implants and, and that really boils down to, does the patient have enough breast tissue, like their natural breast tissue 
to make the volume that they want or not. If the breasts are way down here, but there's good volume, a good surgeon can do a breast lift and put them up and make them look like breast implants. And I'm gonna show you a picture mm -hmm. of, of, of what that looks like. Um, so, you know, I think one of the most important things for people who are thinking about having a breast lift is to find a surgeon who really will talk to you and figure out exactly what you're looking for to help you make the right decision. Because believe me, I've seen many, many patients that really wanted a breast lift and ended up getting implants and were, were unhappy. Mm. So, so when you're thinking about the two types of breast lifts, um, they're called skin-only breast lifts. So that's what we do when, when a patient wants an implant. Okay. And, and the reason for that is the other type of breast lift, which is called a glandular breast lift, in that one, you, you take away the skin you don't want, and you actually go inside the breast and move the tissue. But that involves cutting the breast tissue itself, which is totally fine to do unless the patient wants an implant, because if they want an implant, then you're dissecting behind the breast, which cuts blood vessels. And if you cut the blood vessels behind the breast and you cut the blood vessels through the breast, then you end up with a dead breast. So you can't do that really... Um, more invasive glandular lift when you're talking about implants. So that's kind of the first big differentiation in breast lifts is are you getting a skin lift, which generally means you're getting an implant with it, or are you doing a glandular lift where you're just moving your own tissue, all right? Um, and, and the simple answer is always the best answer. If, if I get a patient who, you know, can just get away with doing a lift without doing implants, then that's what I would rather do. I mean, yeah. you know, I. Uh, I'm not sure every surgeon thinks that way. I mean, some people do like to add on procedures. Uh, I personally want to do the simplest thing to accomplish the goal. And is a lot there of more is there more scarring from a a lift with implants versus without? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, no. The, okay. the, the incisions are my scar is like under here, and you can't see it. For your you had augmentation, right? Yeah. No lift. No, I don't. I mean, I, I don't think so because I was so young. <laughs> I was like yeah, 19. Right. Yeah, no, I don't I, think I, I would have needed one. Um, so to answer your question, if you're doing a, a glandular lift, which is where you move your own breast tissue, and you're doing a uh, skin-only lift with an implant, the, the incisions are basically the same. Okay, There's not cool. a big difference. But I'm glad you brought up incisions um, because the next kind of big uh, decision or thing to know about breast lift is how does the surgeon do the breast lift? Okay. Because nowadays there are two very distinct and different ways that people do the breast lift in relation to the incisions. Um, and I brought a little graphic, and I, it's kind of hand-drawn, so forget the crudeness. So the one on the left is kind of the classic way that's been around forever. I'm talking like almost 100 years. This is called the WISE. It's also called anchor or keyhole pattern breast lift. And you can see that the, the red line is, would be the incision. So there's a red line around the areola. There's a drop-down incision that goes from the 6 o'clock position to the areola to the base of the breast. And there's that crescent incision along the very base of the breast. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine that that looks like an anchor, hence the name anchor, anchor pattern. So the one on the right is what uh, I call a short scar. And you see there's an incision around the areola. And then that drop-down comes down, and it kind of curves to the outside, and it stops, and that's all there is. And so when I trained in, in plastic surgery, I, they taught me how to do the wise anchor pattern because that's the most common thing. But then when I went on and did a fellowship specific to cosmetic breast and body surgery, I was taught how to do the short scar. And now that's literally all I do. I will not do the wise pattern anymore. And I mean, the obvious advantage to the one on the right versus the one on the left is the one on the right's half the incision. Mm -hmm. I mean, who wouldn't want to have half the incision that they have to have? I mean, yeah. Less scar is always better. But more importantly than that, 
uh, and we're going to talk about complications in a minute. The biggest risk of breast lift far and away is healing issues where that big crescent incision meets that vertical part. That's like known for having healing problems. Mm -hmm. When you do the short scar, it, it basically eliminates that risk, which is the number one risk of the surgery. That makes sense. So, so less scarring and less complication is a really big reason to opt for a short scar breast lift. And that's whether it be skin only, which you do with an implant, or glandular, where you're only moving your own tissue. And so I, I really encourage people, if they're thinking about doing a breast lift, absolutely find someone that does the short scar. I would say probably one in five plastic surgeons do that because they are harder. You have to go train with somebody to learn how to do them. So even though it's better, clearly, not near as many people are doing that as is doing the old way. Um, but you can find people. You find people that are really good at breast surgery, they're probably going to be doing the short scar and it's absolutely worth finding somebody that does that. So um, as far as breast surgeries go, uh, uh, the, the technique of them, when you're doing the skin only lift, really all you're doing is you're eliminating the skin that is the excess. Meaning when, when the breast starts to sag, uh, you have too much skin and, and we are able to draw a pattern on the breast that shows where the skin is too much. Okay. And we eliminate the skin that we don't want and we bring everything together to reshape it. And that's where those incisions come from that, that, are, that were shown in that graphic. The same thing when you do a glandular lift, it's exactly the same as far as the skin goes. But also there's another step where you go inside and, and move the breast tissue. Okay. And likewise with a skin lift, there's another step to do the augmentation part, you know. Um, but that's kind of how the technique of the surgery goes. As far as recovery goes, these surgeries actually have really easy recoveries. I mean, they're just not that bad. I mean, they sound invasive where you're cutting skin, cutting breast tissue or whatever, but, but you don't have a foreign object in your body. <laughs> well, you do with the implant. With well, yeah, the, with, but the implant, with a yes. reconstruction with the, though. With, uh, oh, you're talking about like when for, for cancer? No, for the, I mean, I'm talking, oh, I just said the wrong word. For oh. the lift, what you're talking about. Oh, for about. the lift, yeah. yeah. Well, both of them actually, so whether you do the glandular lift, which is really just one procedure versus the skin lift and the implant, which is two, I mean, they're about the same as far as recovery goes. They're, they're really not bad recoveries. I mean, you, you've had breast surgery. Would you, would you describe your recovery as being significant or? I don't know. Was, don't I was so young. Ago. Yeah. And my mom took care of me after Oh, did she? Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah. um, in general, people say, though, that breast surgeries are pretty easy recoveries. So, yeah. like, for my patients, I say, look, if you can take a week off work, take a week off work, but you probably don't need that much time. A lot of people take just a couple days, three days off, and maybe a weekend, and then they're back and good to go. Um, as far as instructions goes with these surgeries, uh, two important things, at least for me, I want patients to wear a sports bra all the time for four weeks to support everything while it's healing. Also, I don't want them doing any exercise or heavy lifting because that puts them at risk for bleeding or other complications. Those are the two big ones. And there's, there's minor restrictions on showering for 24 hours or you know, submerging yourself underwater for a week or two. Um, but really the instructions are pretty minimal. I mean, the sports bra is a little bit of a commitment uh, as is not exercising for people like yourself who exercise a lot. Uh, as far as risks of these surgeries, as I said, the biggest risk of a breast lift is the healing issues. Mm -hmm. That's why absolutely you want to find somebody that does a short scar because that really cuts down on that. Outside of that, then just the usual risks of surgery like bleeding, infection, numbness, but all those are pretty low. Yeah. Um, Cost-wise, uh, cost of these surgeries does vary depending on if you're doing a lift of your own tissue versus the implant because when you're doing a, a lift with implants, it's really two surgeries. There's mm -hmm. the augmentation lift. So, just ballparking this, 
obviously don't hold this, hold me to these numbers. Like ballpark for a lift of just your own breast tissue without an implants, around 6,000 all in. These are cash prices because these are not covered by insurance. If you're doing the both where it's a lift and an implant, you're probably cl talking closer to 10 because mm -hmm. uh, this is two procedures and you have to pay for the implant. Um, what about if people like don't want an implant? Like, can you do like, I, one of my friends asked if you can like place fat from fat other, grafting. Yeah, that's a great question. And actually, I hadn't, um, I hadn't even, didn't even uh, think about write, writing that down and talk about it, but that's a great question. So can you fat graft your breast? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. um, it's not my go-to way to do augmentation of the breast. Yeah, because I remember, I think we've talked about yeah. it like just a little bit before. I've done some frac fat grafting to the breast and really kind of the best use of fat grafting to the breast is if you have a patient who only wants to go up maybe 50 or 100 cc's because you can't use an implant that small. You know, the implants have to more or less fit the base of your breast. So that means like 200, 225 is kind of the minimum size implant. Well, some people don't want to go up that mm -hmm. much. Like say they're already a large C and they just want to go up, you know, a half a cup size. That's where fat grafting can come in, but there are limitations to fat grafting. Um, the fat always does reabsorb to a certain degree. Yeah, that's what I told yeah. her. I was like, there's like some displacement situation. Reabsorption, like the, yeah. yeah, is the big one. So we, we try to overfill it, you know, anticipating that it's going to come down, but then they don't always absorb equally. Uh -huh. I mean, the patients I've done it for, it turned out fine. It's just not my first line. Yeah. You know, if you want to go bigger, implants are the way to go. Right. I mean, it just they just are. But can you fat graft a breast? The answer is yes. Okay. But for a kind of very specific patient population. Gotcha. So. Um, I do want to show a couple befores and afters. Um, <clears throat> these uh, are from my own practice. Once again, I, I always kind of hesitate to bring these because I'm not trying to advertise my practice, but they are good representations of what a breast lift can do. So, all right, all right uh, throw up that first one. Okay, so this is an interop picture where I've finished one side and I'm about to do the other. So this was <laughs> a- Smiley faces. This is a skin only lift. Uh, so this is lifting the breast only uh, by removing skin, but then also placing the implant. And this was a pretty small augmentation. She just wanted to be like a large C roughly. So it's like a small, like 275 CC implant, but results are pretty dramatic. I mean, you know, the breast on your right, if you're looking at the picture, her left has a lot of sag to it. It's very deflated. Uh, the breast that we've finished the surgery on is very perky and full. And then I have a, the next one is a complete before and after of that patient. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So pretty nice uh, outcome on, on this patient. You know, I, I would say that her breasts had, you know, a lot of sag to them. There really was no volume and we were able to kind of lift them up, reshape them, and then add an implant to kind of fill them out. And she didn't want to go big. And so she's not. Uh, but overall, I thought that she got a really nice outcome. Yeah, it's so crazy because you're like, it, it just, I mean, I don't know what she looks like, but it just like completely yeah. makes her look five times younger. Oh, yeah, it changes everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So this next one, so this is a glandular lift, and I, and I think I did a really tiny reduction on this one, and, and not to confuse you by saying, you know, reduction. A lift and a reduction are the same operation, but in the reduction, you take out a little bit of tissue as one of the steps. Mm -hmm. So for all intents and purposes, the operations are the same, and I think I took a tiny bit, but this is mostly a glandular lift, and so this is, once again, in surgery where I'd finished the right side, her right, but I hadn't started on her left. And you can see like what a big difference that makes. And if you look at that picture, you almost might think that she has an implant, right? Yeah, that's what I, I thought. I mean, that breast on the left of the screen, her right, looks full and round like somebody would with an implant. But that's strictly using her own tissue. Mm -hmm. There's no implant in this patient. And then go on to the next one, Trellis, which is complete before and after, yeah. And so, yeah, these patients uh, can get 
a look of an implant if they have enough of their own breast tissue, which this patient did. Mm -hmm. And so this is a patient where I would be afraid if she went to someone that she might end up getting implants where she didn't really need them. She mm -hmm. can get the result that she wants with, with her own tissue. So, so yeah, I mean, I, these are, I think, are both a good example of what you can do with a breast lift, uh, whether it be with an implant or with their own tissue. Um, so uh, just to kind of recap this topic really briefly. Um, so today we're talking about breast lifts. So breast lifts are one of the most popular plastic surgeries out there. They are very safe surgeries in the right hands. Uh, they can be done with just the skin only if you're going to use an implant, or you can just lift the breast with your own tissue and in a skilled surgeon's hand, get the look of an implant, but only using your own breast tissue. The recovery for these is pretty easy. Uh, the complication rate is overall very low, and especially if you find a surgeon who does a short scar lift, that is very important if you're thinking about having a breast lift. Now, I highly encourage that you seek out a surgeon that does those. But overall, these are great procedures with a very high satisfaction rate. So. I'll do it. Yay for boobies. Yay, yay for boobies. <laughs> so, all right, moving on. So we're doing another plastic surgery topic uh, uh, today. Two, that's a lot. Do we always do two? I guess um, so. sometimes we do. This one's, uh, this one's kind of along the similar lines, but of course this is something I found because of a new, a new study that came out. And this one is a topic about the complications from tummy tucks. Okay. And the reason that I, I pulled this up was because there's a new study from, there, there's one big journal for plastic surgery called the Plastic and Reconstructive uh, Surgery Journal. It's called PRS. And they have a new uh, article that's coming out in the, the episode, the episode? No, not episode. What's the <laughs> magazine? Edition? Edition. Okay. No, is it? I don't know. The next, the next magazine that's coming out in January is talking about this uh, article. And I, I pulled the article, Travis, throw that up there so you can, so if people want to look this up. And I mean, th this is kind of a very verbose way of saying that they looked at 9,000 tummy tucks over a 16-year period, but they broke these tummy tucks down into two groups to see how the outcomes of tummy tucks were changing in the kind of earlier days versus the more recent days. And, and I find this super interesting because I do a ton of tummy tucks. That's one of the most popular surgeries I do. I usually average about, I average probably one per week and I don't do one every week, but some weeks I'll do two. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've done that for years and years. I mean, I, I know I've done over 500 tummy tucks, which that's a pretty big number. Uh, so anyway, this study had 9,000 patients in it. So it had two groups. The early group was from 2005 to 2014. And the recent group was 2015 to 2021. And the groups were roughly equal. It was roughly 4,500 patients per group. And what they looked at is they looked at these different factors to see, one, what are the data on the outcomes of tummy tucks? And two, how do they compare from the earlier group to the more recent group? So first off, the first thing they did was complication rate. So complication rate for these patients was a lot higher than I anticipated. And, and I'm going to talk about that at the end. But the early group had a complication rate of 22%. I thought that was super high. Um, yeah, I mean, I sent one of my friends to you that had a complication. With me? Mm-hmm. She had a complication with me? No. Oh, she had a complication. I could fix it or something? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were like, was, what? Was, Blasphemy. I thought, I thought you were like throwing me under the bus. Like, yeah, I sent you a patient and you, you botched her. No. Um, <laughs> no. So the early group had 22% complication rate. Uh, that's super high. The, the, the more recent group had 19%, which I guess is good because it's showing that there's been a, a slight decrease in complication rate. But wow, those numbers were, were really high. 
The other thing they looked at is how many patients needed revision surgery. These numbers blew me away too. In the early group, 10%. One out of 10 patients needed a repeat surgery. Whoa, that's, that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, the recent group was 8%, which I still thought was pretty high. Uh, another thing they looked at, which I'm going to talk about at the end because it has to do with tummy tucks, is how many patients got liposuction of the area where they were doing the tummy tuck, mm -hmm. which I do very, very commonly. I would say in my patient group, I do it about 50% of the time at least. In these patients, the early group, 18%, the more recent group, 25%. So these patients were not getting liposuction nearly as much mm -hmm. as I do, which came to the question of, okay, are these patients skinny or heavier? Right? That, I mean, that, that, that makes a difference. Like if their patients are skinnier, they don't need lipo. Mm -hmm. So the average BMI, so the body mass index of these patients in the early group was 27 and in the recent group, 28. Now, for those who don't know what BMI is, I mean, you guys have all heard of BMI, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so when I throw these numbers out there, a lot of people don't know what they mean. Uh, to kind of recap, like less than 20 is kind of underweight, 20 to 25 is ideal, 25 to 30 is slightly overweight. Over 30 is considered obese, over 35 is like morbidly obese, right? Mm -hmm. And just to kind of give you an idea of what a BMI of 27, that'd be equivalent to a girl that's five foot four and weighs about 155 pounds, okay. roughly. Okay, just to give you an idea, which is a very normal person. I mean, to me, that's like you know, normal. Yeah. I mean, it's not fit, but it's not, you know, yeah. big either. Um, so these patients in, these, in this study were actually, at least compared to what I operate on, were a little bit thinner. I would say my average BMI is, is probably closer to 30. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll talk about why that is in a minute. It also looked at how many patients were getting drains, uh, which I'm going to talk about why that's important. Early group, 93%, which is almost all of them. Recent group, 89%. So there's a slight trend towards not using drains. And then the other thing that was really surprising to me is how many of these patients also got liposuction of their flank area at the same time? These numbers were super high to me. In the early group, 50%. In the recent group, 55%. Um, and, and I'll explain what that means and why that's important. Uh, yeah. But a lot of these numbers really surprised me. It did make me feel really good about myself as a surgeon because I, I feel like my numbers were a little bit better than this. Yeah, um, seems like it. Yeah. Uh, and also, so what were the complications? Okay, so this is 9,000 patients having tummy tucks, and it listed out all the complications they had. And these, num these really confused me because what they're seeing is complications like I never see. So the number one complication that they saw was seroma. Now, I know I've talked about seromas in the past. Not everybody knows what that is. A seroma is just a word for a fluid collection inside your body. And when you're talking about tummy tucks, these pop up in the area where you do the dissection. You know, a tummy tuck, you, you dissect and you pull the skin down to tighten it. Yes. We, we talked about tummy tucks, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, okay. So a seroma is when you get fluid in that area where you've done that dissection. So the rate of seroma in these patients was 7%. Like, the, to me, that's insanely high. I, I know for a fact in the 14 years that I've been doing plastic surgery, I've only had one seroma. Yeah. Is, like, that, like like a, one. is like, that like a doctor error or is that like a patient thing? <laughs> I like think that probably it's related to two things. Uh, there were a fair number of patients here who didn't get drain tubes. Okay. That's why I put drain tubes in. It, it, you put a drain tube in, it eliminates the risk of seroma because the drain tube pulls the fluid out. And the way I do it is I leave the drain in until there's no more, not no fluid coming out, but the amount's really, really low. I mean, my dog, my dog had to have a drain you tube. You told me your dog had a drain tube. Yeah, I'm like, and yeah. it was just to remove fat, yeah. literally. Well, yeah, it's a very similar concept. Um, so I think the reason the stroma rate was high with this group is there was a fair number of patients that didn't have drains at all. And there also, 
their, their time frame where they pulled out drains was slightly quicker than what I would do. So mm -hmm. I think I'm a little bit more conservative in, in when I pull them out. So yeah, seroma number one. Infection was number two. That blows my mind. Infection rate of 4%. Like that's crazy. I, I can only really remember one of my tummy tucks getting an infection. Like I don't know why these numbers are so high. I mean, nowadays in infection rates, I quote people a rate of less than 1%, mm -hmm. which I found to be true. I mean, I just don't see infection. You take your medicine when you're supposed to and you're not like a dirty person. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know why that the infection rate was so high. Like uh, I, that really confused me. Yeah. Uh, skin necrosis, meaning uh, death of skin, yeah. that was 3%. That's that's strange. To me, tiny. Well, so, and I'm going to talk about what I think the biggest risks are. Um, it is along the lines of skin necrosis, but that's kind of a high number for necrosis. But I don't know, like, what that means. If, if that meant just, like, a tiny bit of, like, scabbing is necrosis, or they meant, like, real full-on necrosis. Uh, other issues, belly button necrosis, 1%, asymmetry, 1%, contour irregularities, 1%, and then other... 5%. And I'm really curious what other means because <laughs> it's like, okay, that's what is high, that? That's 5%. That's, yeah. That's well, big. I assume it's like a conglomerate of everything yeah. else, right? So so talking about these complications, I want to discuss these because, I, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I really am a specialist in this. I fellowship trained in cosmetic body surgery. I do a ton of tummy tucks. I just don't publish. Like, that's not my thing is to, like, write mm -hmm. articles. Uh, but, you know, I do consider myself an expert in these. Like, to me, the number one risk of tummy tuck far and away is healing issues along the incision. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they do mention that uh, in the study. They talked about how the rate of healing issues goes up as the BMI goes up, which is totally true. I mean, 100% yeah. true. And a lot of plastic surgeons won't do tummy tucks on people who... Doesn't, doesn't that go for any type of surgical procedure? Right, but a lot of plastic surgeons are really conservative. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of plastic surgeons will say, look, if your BMI is 30, I'm not going to do it. Oh. I'm more along the lines of like 35. Okay. You know, but the thing is, is when I get patients who come in who are a bit heavier, I really, really do kind of talk to them about the fact that their risk of healing issues is higher. Yeah. Now, the thing is with healing issues is that if someone gets a healing issue, like it's usually not a big deal. Like you, you treat the spot where they have a healing issue with just some like dressings and then it heals up and they still have a great result. Mm -hmm. And so having done lots of tummy tucks and, and doing plenty on girls who are considered a little bit heavier, I have seen, you know, a fair number of healing issues, but I've never had a patient be unhappy Yeah. because you tell them, you know, Hey, this may happen. And, and then if it does like, okay, well, you told me this might happen. Then you get them through it fine. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like maybe the biggest, uh, contributor to that is just not having a doctor that communicates or that you well, feel yeah, comfortable commu communicating yes. with. Yes. Yeah. I think that any, any good outcome of plastic surgery or really any surgery definitely hinges on good doctor-patient relationship yeah. and talking to them. I feel like if you're not yeah. comfortable like saying, hey, I feel like this is something's wrong. If you're not comfortable saying that to your doctor, right. then it's like, of yeah. course, uh, you it's going to get worse. Yeah. I agree. So, so yeah, for me, when I consult my patients, like to me, like the biggest thing that I that I think they're gonna see is, is healing issues. If a patient's like fit like yourself, I mean, mm -hmm. we do get patients like of your body frame because pregnancy can cause loose skin or diastasis, which is stretching of the abdominal wall. That's why tummy tucks are so popular is because um, you pregnancy does things to your body that you can't uh -huh. fix on your own, just like the, the breast sagging, right? And um, so when we get patients like yourself, I say, look, healing issues is your biggest risk, but you're a really, really low risk for it. Okay. You know, uh, and I'm also very careful. I don't really operate on smokers or diabetics. Those people are really, really prone to healing issues. Mm -hmm. um, another thing to be brought up is the fact that 
that the patients in this population were kind of lower BMI. Like 27 is pretty low for a tummy tuck patient, at least on average, in my opinion. I'm willing to do them on the higher patients, but, but you do have to understand that the risks are, are a little bit higher. The other thing that I, I think is very interesting about this is how many patients got liposuction of the sides of the flanks at mm -hmm. the same time. I used to do that and I quit doing it because I found that those patients were much more prone to healing issues. And okay. there, there was a study that came out in 2010 that said that it doesn't make a difference. And I think that study's total crap. It was in PRS. I read the study. I thought it was junk. A lot of people kind of base their kind of way they do surgery on that study. And I, I, I just totally disagree with it. I, I think that if you liposuction around where you're doing the tummy tuck, like you're much more prone to have problems. And yeah, so I make my like patients break it up. too much. Yeah, right. We've yeah. always talked about on the show, don't do too much at once. Mm -hmm. you, you absolutely can run into problems. And even this study mentioned that the more surgeries you add on top of each other, the complication rate goes up. Mm -hmm. So I, I really like just insist that patients don't do that at the same time. But what about like, but like whenever you do like a mommy makeover, which includes So we do like breasts, yeah. Breasts. So I think breasts are fine. You mm -hmm. can do breasts and tummy. We do that literally all the time because the breasts are far enough away that working on them doesn't affect blood flow to your abdomen. Yeah. But like when you lipo right around where you're doing it, that does affect it. Yeah, and that makes sense. And the risks sense. do come up. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, this was kind of interesting to kind of see how things have changed. And it, it, and it to me, the complication rate in this study is just not acceptable. I mean, 20% complication rate, that's like insane. I mean, 10% reoperation rate. The one thing I would tell you is there are surgeons that do tons of these surgeries and there's surgeons that do them every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think that this is one of those situations where you're better off finding somebody who does these all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think most people who do tons of tummy tucks would say that their complication rate is not 20%. Like that's just, that's high. Yeah. Um, I do think these are great operations, uh, but yeah, I think it's definitely important that you, you find somebody that can really communicate with to give you all the lowdown on the wrist, talk you through it, and that you feel comfortable that, that they're gonna do a good job for you. Yeah. So, but interesting study. My sister, uh, cause she's, one of my sister's the one that was taking um, Ozempic. Yeah. Or she still is, and she's always like, ah, whenever I'm done losing all my weight, I'm gonna do, or yeah. weight, I'm gonna do a mommy makeover. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you gotta get find some of those board certified. Right, you know, right? You can like all this stuff, really I was good. like, don't go. I was like, tell yeah. me who you're yeah. going to. Excellent, yeah, I, well, tell me, I can look them up. I know, that's what yeah. I told her yeah. too. She's a, she lives in Austin, so I that's was right. like. I know people down there too. Yeah, I figured yeah. you did. I was like, just, just tell me a list of doctors yep. that you're interested in. Right. I'll tell you all about them. <laughs> all right, moving on to last segment. So this one is very interesting. Somebody sent me uh, a TikTok about this, and this this segment is about do almonds fix facial wrinkles? Eating almonds, does it help with facial wrinkles? It won't be able to help me because I'm allergic you're... to almonds. They oh, hurt my tummy. Bummer. And they make my mouth itchy. Yeah, well, you definitely don't want to eat them. Yeah, a lot of people have that allergy. But I can... Uh, Use eat like them. I can eat them if they're cooked. Really? Yeah. That's they have to be like essential. cooked and stuff. Yeah. Like I can drink almond milk. So All right. Pecan pie. But that's not almonds. Oh. It's so just almonds. It's pecans. It is right. <laughs> 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 <My baby. laughs> that's all right, Charles. It's a simple mistake. Yeah. If, Sometimes if you... I get my nuts mixed up too, right? <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> all right. So I do want to show the TikTok uh, that went viral that kind of spawned this. So uh, go ahead and roll that that video. Shut up, it is not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Can you hear the audio? Uh-uh. Shut up, it is not. Yes, it is. Wait, re-roll no, that, Charles. Not. Yes, it is. Let's see. Is the audio Is it like a... 
is it a song or something? No, it's it's really, and honestly, the audio is not like that earth, earth shattering. It's just her Shut saying, up, it is not. It's somebody yes, saying it no and no, her it's saying not. yes. Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it won't play. Oh, that's so sad. Shut well, you're not up, missing a whole not. lot. She's not yes, really saying anything, no, but this yes, TikTok it is. Uh, did go viral, and it's based, she's a dermatologist, and she's talking about how eating a handful of almonds cures wrinkles. And then uh, somewhere in there, there's a link to the study that she's basing this on. Yeah, I mean, I used almond oil for my right. tummy whenever I was pregnant. I'll talk about. So I think how it that, has some effects yeah, there for is, your skin. Right. So for I'll, sure. I'll talk about how that might work and why that might be different. So when I when I saw this study, uh, I, I threw the study. I did you send a picture of the study, right, Travis? Can you throw that up there for me? Oh, yeah, give me just a second, go back. Yeah. Uh, so this study is from Nutrients, uh, which is a journal from 2021. And it's basically a randomized trial on the effects of almonds on both facial wrinkles and facial pigmentation. Okay. I actually don't have the study. Oh, you don't? Oh, okay. Well, it's in Nutrients from 2021, uh, if you want to look it up. And it's uh, if you look up Nutrients 2021, almonds, facial wrinkles, it'll pull right up because that's how, how I found it. So... Basically, when I heard that this study said that almonds, eating almonds fixed facial, I didn't believe it. I was like, there's no way. I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense because when you think about it, there's not a lot of products that you eat that are supposed to help your skin. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what do you do with products to help your skin? Um, put them on your face. Yeah, right. You put them on, you put them on your skin. I'm like, I eat face lotion. <laughs> <laughs> you put them on your skin. And you were All talking day. about you've used, didn't you tell me you've used almond oil? Almond oil for my uh, stomach when I yeah. was pregnant. And you felt like it had a good... Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to reduce your uh, stretch marks. So I could totally see that. If the study said, hey, rubbing almond oil on your skin mm -hmm. can reduce wrinkles, I'd be like, okay, I can buy that. But I just really was very skeptical of this. So I actually pulled up the article and I read the whole thing. And we'll kind of go through it. So almonds are known for having fatty acids, phytochemical phenols, and antioxidants like vitamin E, which all those things are known to help skin. Mm -hmm. And this study looked at a very specific patient population. It looked at postmenopausal women with very, very fair skin types. So like okay. Fitzpatrick one or two, which is basically like redheads or blondes. Okay. Okay. Uh, that ate almonds every single day for 24 weeks. Mm -hmm. And they looked at the patients at 16 weeks and 24 weeks. Now, when they say they ate almonds, they ate a lot of almonds. It was 20% of their caloric intake, which comes out to like 50 to 60 almonds. That's mm -hmm. like, I guess that's a handful if you have really large Yeah, hands. and you know what's really funny is like every single like, um, I guess like meal plan or diet or like whatever for yep. snacks. Always has those on there? Almonds. Yeah. Eat almonds. So, <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I mean, they are good for you. So the patient, so no, the study I had 56 <laughs> patients, 28 in each group. And so at 16 weeks, the group that had eaten almonds every day had a 15% decrease in wrinkles based on facial analysis software. Mm -hmm. And at 24 weeks, had a 16%. Facial pigments, 16 weeks, 20% decrease, also 20% decrease at 24 weeks. So the study does show that eating almonds, at least by those metrics, does improve your facial wrinkles and your facial pigments. And it's thought to be from the alpha tocopherols and antioxidants, which we talked mm -hmm. about earlier. I, I will say that there are some limitations to this study, in my opinion, as somebody who reads a lot of studies. It was a very, very specific group. Okay. Very specialized group. You know, postmenopausal post women with very fair skin. You really like to see like a broader group, you know, mm -hmm. than like something very well, narrow. Well, I know that olives toned, like people like yeah. me, 
we don't get wrinkles as fast as somebody who is very sun exposure. Yeah, yeah. very protection from the sun. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's like I guess maybe it's easier yeah. to see those results. The the study also had a very small number of patients. Like a study with fifty six patients is considered pretty small. Mm -hmm. um, and there was also a pretty limited time frame. You know, twenty four weeks. So that's what six months. I mean, not. A, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it took a lot to uh, yeah. make sure that yeah. all these people were eating yeah. almonds, anyways. Right. Or so, who would want to eat that much almonds? <laughs> I mean, I have to say that the study, which seems to be an okay study, maybe not the greatest study, did show that people who ate almonds daily had improved a slight improvement, 15% decrease in wrinkles, which is not nothing, but also not you know, hugely dramatic. Um, I personally would like to see a, a bigger study, yeah. something that was a little bit broader. Um, I'm not saying that this, the study's wrong. It just, to me, as somebody who who does do a lot with skin rejuvenation, like eating almonds to me is just, it's just, it's like questionable about how, how exactly that works. Yeah, I wonder if they lost weight too. You know what I thought maybe would be happening? You know, almonds are salty and when you take in a lot of salt, you tend to hold water. Mm -hmm. And if you hold water or you have edema, it does help your wrinkles. And I wondered if maybe it was the salt intake that was mm -hmm. making them be a little bit more dimidus in the face. Well, that makes sense to me. It makes more sense than eating almonds makes your wrinkles go away. Yeah. To I, me. For, yeah. for my uh, thing that I ingest for wrinkles is I eat pro, I eat uh, collagen, like yeah. the powder. I just stir yeah. it in my, the unflavored. Yeah. We'll I just stir it in my that. coffee. Yeah, I'll have to look into that one. I but swear it's an interesting it study. I mean, I guess eat almonds. It, it, I don't know if you can eat that many, but it, the study says it helps. I, I'm, just I'm eat pecan pie. <laughs> yeah, you just <laughs> eat pecan pie. Every day wrinkles, so. you eat, how about this? You can eat almond cookies. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there we go. I had, see, I had to come There back. are almonds and oh, so much stuff, I and know, I can't that. eat it. Oh, I'm sorry, Sarah. <laughs> but it's interesting, so fun to talk about. Well, I think that's about all the time we have today. Uh, please leave us a comment and let us know what you think about those topics or any topics you want us to talk about on the next episode of Nip Talk. <laughs>